This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. All right, it's Mike Smith in for Simi Sarah today. It is New Year's Eve 2019, almost a memory, 2020 about to dawn. Time to take a look back at the year that was. Now, yesterday on the show, we did a year in review on provincial politics. Let's drill down a little deeper now to local government and the year in municipal politics. Got a fantastic panel for you. Francis Bueller, the very fine Globe and Mail urban issues and politics writer. Francis, thanks for coming on. Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet, Francis. Thank you. Also on the line is Frank Buchholz, the excellent columnist at the Surrey Now Leader and the Peace Arch News. Frank, it's nice to talk to you again. Yes, thanks so much, Mike. Okay, guys, let's start with uh, one of the big stories of the year. We covered it a lot on the show this year, and Francis, for your take on it, and the the Surrey RCMP saga, and whether we're ever going to get uh, rid of the RCMP in Surrey, as promised by Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum, and transition to a local police force. This has just been a red-hot issue and debate in Surrey. McCallum has lost a few of his councillors over it. What are your thoughts on that whole issue this year? Well, it is, I mean, it's not an unreasonable idea to shift over. Um, You know, Surrey is the largest city in Canada still with the RCMP. Um, So it's it's not the craziest idea ever, but the whole process of the way it's going has just created unbelievable division in the city, you know, the likes of which Frank will say better than I, um, that people have, haven't seen in decades. Uh, and it's created a really nasty feeling, unfortunately, which I think is going to impede the process a little bit and make it all much more difficult. Okay, Frank, you've written a lot about this this year, too. What are your thoughts? Um, I agree with everything that Francis has said, and what I would add to that is that I think because of the division and the nastiness, this is probably going to start to spill upstream a little bit to the provincial government. The provincial government has made the decision that they can go ahead with the Surrey police force with Wally Opal overseeing this. And um, Surrey uh, has six out of the nine MLAs, or NDP MLAs. And some of them won seats that were formerly BC Liberal seats. And I have a feeling that there's going to be significant pressure placed on those MLAs in the coming year. Francis, this is a, a, a Doug McCallum-led council. When we look back at the municipal election in Surrey, he won big. He won a big majority, and he was very clearly campaigning on a, a local police force for the city of Surrey. And then when he starts to implement it, his councillors start to abandon him. So he lost three of his safe Surrey councillors there in Surrey. He's still hanging on there with a the bare majority with the councillors he's got left. But what went wrong for McCallum on this file, do you think? Well, as I said, it's, it's kind of a personal, it, like the way he, what a leadership issue. You know, he could have brought people along. He could have included them more. He could have, um, you know, had a different process. And instead, it seems to be that he says, I won big and I'm just going to do whatever. He didn't win big. He won 13% of the actual vote in Surrey, if you, you know, break it down by turnout and everything like that. Um, So, uh, but I, you know, the councillors who left, especially Brenda Locke and Jack Hundle, 
I think if there had been a better process and they were included, if they weren't sort of marginalized and, and felt, uh, you know, shut out of, uh, you're not in the inner circle because you don't agree with everything I say, which, you know, has we have to remember this has been Mayor McCallum's leadership style in the past. I think it could have gone better, but this insistence that I won big and I'm going to do whatever I want is not helping. Frank, your thoughts? No, I... I agree with that, that the way McCallum has led the issue almost from the beginning is what has sown so much of this discord. Uh, Jack Hundell is a former Surrey RCMP officer. He would have been a natural individual to work with closely on this. He basically had one short meeting with the mayor, and that was it. And I think uh, to illustrate the point even more, just before Christmas it came out that the they had kept the results of a survey and public meetings with the public in March and April on this transition secret uh, and it required freedom of information requests to try and get that publicized and then McCallum went out and said 98% of those who took part are in support of this and it's clearly they weren't and so you know it's not only his poor leadership but it's an outright fudging of facts and he's just, he's lost a lot of people that I think otherwise would have supported this, you, both you, on you, council and in the community. Do you think, Frank, that one of the problems here for McCallum in trying to sell this idea is that maybe people in Surrey were under the impression that if they go to a local police force, they're going to have more cops. And the plan that came out had fewer cops, and it was going to cost more money. And that, that seemed to be a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of people. Yeah, that was definitely, I think, the first wake-up call, and that came out in the, in the report that they prepared, which council basically had no input into, and they only saw it uh, after the fact. Um, I, think, I don't think that people were necessarily expecting the force would be a lot bigger. Um, I think what they were expecting is that it would be more uh, committed to the community than the RCMP, where people move in and out and where Ottawa is calling a lot of the shots through E-Division. Um, and I, th I think that that was one thing that, and I think those who support it still, and there's still lots of people who do support the idea, that's what they like about the idea. But I think that what that indicated is it's going to cost a lot of money. And I think then yeah. other, some other people who were perhaps indifferent said, well, do we want to spend all this money, and is it going to make that much difference? Okay, Francis, we reach the end of the year, and as Frank said, the provincial government has given the provisional green light to this whole idea. They've appointed Wally Opal, the former attorney general, to head kind of a transition process. But what are your thoughts on entering into 2020? Is this actually going to get done? Is the city of Surrey going to get a local police department, or do you think they'll end up keeping the RCMP? Is that a possibility? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I do think they've they've gone quite a ways down this road, um, and it, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if. Well, it's hard to say. Sometimes I think the provinces kind of gave the mayor a lot of rope to do things with, if you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, but they have gone a long way down this road, and it wouldn't look great for them if it turned into a complete shambles. Uh, and, uh, but, and you do see 
Awali Opal, who's the commissioner and, you know, sort of in charge of this, making certain comments about, you know, that's not true what the mayor is saying, you know, they, they, you don't yeah. have a police board right away and things like that. So I think for them, as Frank said, it's going to be a bit of a dilemma. Do they just let it, you know, sort of evolve in this messy way or do they take charge having allowed it to go forward? It's okay, guys. We did a good look back at the Surrey RCMP issue. Real quickly, before we move on to other municipalities, Francis, the Surrey SkyTrain promise for McCallum, where does that stand right now? I mean, I think it's on pretty solid ground. Uh, that's not meant to be a pun about trying to put pilings into the serpentine as they go across <laughs> across the bog there. But, um, y- you know, uh, uh, the head of TransLink, Kevin Desmond, he threw himself into redoing the plan um, to make this possible. I think the uh, federal government, the you know, the minority liberals are very interested in shoring up support uh, in the suburban areas where they can. They're not likely to turn down funding for it. Uh, so I think it is going to go ahead, uh, that one. And I think there's, there's less debate over that. Uh, as you know, uh, at TransLink, what they've said repeatedly is the whole light rail system was premised on the idea it wasn't going to be as cost effective as a SkyTrain right away. The whole idea was that it was going to be a community building kind of transit system rather than a commuter type transit system. Uh, so that you don't get the same arguments uh, as you do over the police over this big project right. change. Let's talk about some Vancouver politics now, guys. And when you take a look at Vancouver City Council in 2019, I guess it was a year of big ideas, but did they move the needle on any big issues at all? I mean, what have they accomplished over there under uh, at Vancouver City Hall? Frank, your thoughts? Well, I think the main thing they've accomplished is they put taxes up by 7%. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, so everyone in Vancouver, homeowners business owners, renters, is going to pay a lot more. And uh, what surprised me is that you've got a new mayor and you've got council representing a lot of different perspectives, which I think is quite reflective of the city itself. But they really can't work together to get a lot of consensus to move forward on very many issues. Francis. Yeah, no, it's interesting to hear what it looks like from Langley because, you know, we're in the middle of the forest and the trees and the leaves here. But, no, I, I feel like the entire year was spent with this council trying to figure out what it was. I mean, we had 10 years of a council that was totally dominated by Vision Vancouver and the team around Gregor Robertson. So you knew what was going to happen all the time. They set out their agenda, and they did it. And they, to anyone who disagreed with them, they said, too bad, you lost the election, we're in charge, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, and now every single meeting that all of us go to, you're like, oh, my God, how is this going to work out? It's like a giant murder mystery every week um, that goes on forever and ever, I must say. I've, council meetings now take three or four days sometimes. So I think they've just been working out what kind of a council they are. And it turns out they're kind of centrist, not too left, not too right, voting for most development proposals, supporting the SkyTrain. Um, so with the budget, what you clearly saw was the six left-wingers or progressives or whatever you want to call them uh, in charge there. They decided that they were going to go for a big tax increase in order to support more services. 
and uh, they they outvoted by one vote the NPA. So you saw the most clear division there, uh, the most clear alignment uh, uh, alignments forming. Frank, taking a look uh, around the other municipalities in the metro region, what are the other big stories that jumped out at you this year? Well, one of the big ones for me was a very uh, significant change in uh, direction and focus in Burnaby. Uh, Mayor Derek Corrigan, who was defeated in October 2018, was a very vocal opponent of uh, those who said, we've got to preserve some of the low-rise low rental buildings in the uh, metro town area. We've got to slow down the rate of uh, building these uh, sky sky-rise, high-rise condo towers there, which are basically, uh, you know, owner-occupied or rented out at very high rates. And uh, Mayor Mike Hurley, who came in and ran as an independent, uh, was elected. Seven of the eight Burnaby Citizens Association councillors are are there, and Mayor Hurley seems to have been able to work with those people, and they've taken a new direction, I think, on housing, especially for people with lower incomes, on dealing with homelessness, which Corrigan claimed didn't exist in Burnaby, and I think in really moving in a direction that I think all local governments in the Metro Vancouver area have to move in, which is really consider how the decisions they make about land use affect people who are at the lower end of the economic scale. Francis, what jumped out for you? Well, yeah, obviously Burnaby, um, whose rental policies, people are still waiting to see if the development community can absorb that or if they're just going to say this is too rich for our blood because essentially the rental policies say if you displace anyone, you have to find them an apartment at the same rent or subsidize it so they're paying the same rent and then when the new building is built, allow them to move back in at the old rent that they were paying. So that's really a, a, a huge change, and I think everyone's waiting to see how that works out. On the other hand, the, the, the kind of reverse, uh, the flip side of that is the District of North Vancouver, which, you know, I mean, it's not the most, uh, you know, development-friendly city at the best of times, but, you know, it had a somewhat progressive council. Um, they have really made a reputation for themselves in the region by turning down everything, affordable housing projects that were going to have units, renting to seniors both for below market, built on a city parking lot, not displacing anyone, townhouses, um, other apartments. It's just kind of amazing what's going on over there in terms of their decision to just, I don't know, not allow anything. So uh, that is a, a, the, the, really the reverse of what's happening in Burnaby. One of, the, one of the things that jumped out at me this year, guys, for your thoughts, and was the situation with uh, some of the housing pressures in a lot of the municipalities, but especially in Maple Ridge, where there was a local fight over a modular housing project the provincial government wanted to bring in. The mayor there really speaking up aggressively on it against the the BC government in Victoria. Frank, do you see that as any kind of a flashpoint issue going forward? Because I got a feeling that this could be a tough one for the John Horgan government in that community where the NDP won a couple of very, very closely contested seats that they really want to hang on to if they want to stay in power. Yeah, no, you're quite right that uh, that is going to be a tough one for the province. Uh, 
the homelessness issue in Maple Ridge has been a disaster for probably 15 or more years. Uh, successive councils have not dealt with it. There's been homeless camps. There's been confrontations between residents and people living in these camps. Uh, there's been, you know, public safety issues. And, uh, you know, I think what the province was proposing with the modular housing is a good idea. It may not have been the ideal location, but, you know, Maple Ridge has just not shown a whole lot of willingness to compromise and, you know, try and work with the province on this. And, uh, you know, so far, I mean, their their position has prevailed. But the issue is is not something any community should be proud of, to have a lot of homeless people on the streets. Francis, you've got a minute well, I left here. Say, uh, it, you know, you're seeing more of this kind of resistance uh, and kind of anti-homeless attitudes emerging in different municipalities. Surrey passed an anti-sleeping-in-your-RV law. Um, uh, Grand Forks had a motion at the UBCM about, you know, kind of we don't want the provincial government to just come in and dictate where social housing should go. Places like Salmon Arm and Penticton had bylaws to prevent panhandling or sleeping on the street. I think that, you know, Vancouver went through a lot of this 10 or 15 years ago, and now you're seeing this in a lot of um, outlying suburbs and smaller rural communities who are seeing visible homelessness surging in their communities. And, you know, their impulse is to try to make it go away somehow. Guys, a lot of ground to cover. We could have done a whole nother hour on it, I think, but uh, we'll see what happens in 2020. It certainly was an interesting 2019. Thanks a lot to both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much, and Happy New Year to you both.